welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I have a lot on my heart today. I want to start out with a couple of things first, though. Um, we're going to be starting a new book soon, and um, I just discovered the Holy Spirit just dropped it into my little heart today, even though I've been looking for two months. I got to thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't spend two months looking. Just wait for the drop. That's the new term now, you know. Drop. Just dropped. Just dropped today. But, you know, I was um, I was mesmerized by my little Tessie and how good she did. And I just want to give her honor today. She said a lot of really good things. I hope that that you go back and listen again. I've listened to it several times already. But at the end, when Cheryl got up, I I heard the Holy Spirit um, say that Cheryl was learning the God of the whole Bible. I'm not for sure. I think she got a little nugget. You know, there's... um, when you begin to understand more about who God is and his heart is, then the stories that you read in the Bible look different. I'm so thankful that I know him the way I know him. And uh, I see it spilling over onto Cheryl and she's, um, she's getting that apostolic understanding of the big picture. Sometimes we're so narrow-minded so black and white, so rigid that we miss the grandeur plan of God. And so I just wanted to bless her today for what she, y'all have to go and listen to what she said. But but the book we're going to be doing is called um, Adamant, and it's by Lisa Bevere. And um, I just wanted to read you a, your whistle statement from her, spelled W-H, I believe. Anyway, that's... That's that moment where you're crying, but I'm trying to get you to laugh again. This is from the chapter. Let me just read you the chapters to get you excited, okay? First chapter is called The Adamant. The remaining chapters all have adamant in them. Adamant for intimacy, constant love, hate, truth, word, transformation, and holiness. It's really um, an interesting book, but this is from the book of Adamant Hate. And it said, we cannot love God without hating that which he hates. Charles Spurgeon said that. And this is a little snippet she said. God hates all that unmakes love. God hates what unmakes and breaks those he loves. God hates what undermines his image and distorts our identity. In short, our Father hates all that perverts and corrupts love. God loves people. God loves the broken. God loves the bound. God loves the sinner. God is love. And love can never hate people. Because people are who God loves. God loves everyone but God does not love everything. 
So it's going to be a fun book for us to unpack together. So we're going to go ahead and order them, just assuming that you're going to participate. Done away with the sign-up sheet. So um, I had a dream last night. I wanted to start with that. And simply put, in this dream, I was talking with someone who had wrecked their own car, and they were attempting to um, finagle a way to get their old father's car. Now, as you know, in dreams, cars represent ministry, and so I'm going to be talking today about your ministry on the earth, which I have been talking about for a long time. And are you doing okay, Jack? I didn't know Jack was getting excited by what I was saying or if there was a gnat in the room. But I feel like the dream has to do with this, that some of us are attempting to go back and utilize a previous identity because fathers are the father of all creation is the identity giver agreed let us agree together to stop looking at what our natural fathers were unable to transfer to us did you understand that from Jesus's perspective that was never the father's intention and so I wanted to just pray over those who feel like that this is a season for you to come into your true identity from 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 Papa and to really finally, you know, I I I love inner healing. I've I have spent my life yeah. truly. Yeah. Pam calls me a gold digger, you know. We went to the gold digger state, so <laughs> digging the gold out of people. But my prayer for most of you is just that you'll have a Paul experience. You know, you'll have a three-day transformation. It won't be a 30-year one. And I, I believe that that transformation process wasn't even what I was going to talk about today, but that transformation process, I believe, comes through yielding. You know, yielding is less about you understanding and more about you getting out of the way. And, you know, in the yielding process comes all revelation. The re God is not going to pour out his revelation upon those who don't need him. So your yieldingness comes through such a deep understanding of your need for him. Yeah. And so I just wanted to pray over that. Just so, Papa, I just release right now just your anointing that we forsake looking back and retrieving things from the past that we're trying to get our identity from. But today we fully embrace that you're the God of identity. Yes. You're the father of identity and all the things that you do in us, through us, for us, around us is because of how much you love. Yes. And so we just say today that your love and every place that I didn't experience love, you want to transform that. You want to give me a different experience. And you don't want me to get stuck in the past, looking back, expecting those people to do, do me different. And so we release that today. We release forgiveness. And we release um, just a repentance today that we have been trying for so long to get 
our needs met and get that healing from sources that weren't you. And so today we just say we will not do that any longer. Do you agree? Yes. Great. There's Pam's dream right there in fruition. Pam had a dream about me last night. It was really cool. Now, I also had a dream while I was on vacay. And uh, all night long in the dream, and I would wake up and I'd go right back into the dream, was that God was telling me over and over and over again to read John 14. And he said that if you read John 14 and you understand John 14, then John 15 will come alive. Now, what do you, what's in John 15? Tessa read from it. I didn't, she didn't know. I didn't know. We didn't have a combo. I didn't tell her to read John, 4, John 15. But what's 15? What's the 15 scripture? I mean, 15 chapter. He's the vine. I'm abiding, right? So today I want to unpack chapter 14 with you a little bit. I'm thinking I'm titling today When Believing Turns Into Following. There's a threshold that do you know what a threshold is yeah. everybody know what a threshold is a threshold is something betwixt two things usually a doorway yeah. there's a threshold of believing it's usually a doorway and you're how many like transition Mendel loves transition look at her raise her look at her both of her hands are up in the air <laughs> transition is different than change You know, I remember Joseph Garland used to say that that we're all being transformed and it's hell in the hallway. That's transition. Transition is when you actually know that you're going to be different. You actually know something is coming. Yeah. You absolutely know there's something right on the net. Now, some of y'all, this knowing the thing I'm talking about right now is called hope. It's broken. Your hoper is broken. And when your hoper's broken, then you got to lay low. Mendel's an expert on no hope, if you ever want to know. Just read some of her writings. She was raised in a no-hope environment. So don't get your hopes up. Don't get them up, because you don't have any. Yeah. And they're all going to be dashed. So that's broken hope. Because, see, God is the God of hope. Yeah. So that means that I have to live from a place. And what is hope? I am expecting something amazing coming. Hope is not, listen, God's hope is not, it's going to crash and burn. Everybody's going to go hell in a handbag. I'm just barely going to slip in, slide like second base into heaven. I'm not going to do heavy thing. That's, that's not the God of hope. That is not God's hope. So see, we have to be transformed in our minds to be able to hope like God intended us to hope. You were trained to not hope. And some of you, some of y'all were had parents that were doctors of no hope, yeah. had the doctor degree of no hope. They did it in their phraseology. They did it in their career. They did it in how, and they ended up, some of y'all, I know some people in this room whose families sat on the couch and watched TV every night and smoked dope. That's, that's their life. Yeah. That's the God of no hope. Now see, that's the enemy came and he stole. And now you're just existing. You're not thriving. You're not doing. You're reduced down to whatever has been created in that environment, in that doctrine of no hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just a doctrine. 
It's a theology that's broken, but that's all it is. So with that in mind, I want to read a little snippet from Randall Worley. You know how much I'm on him right now, right? This is what he said. It is an insult to God when we are influenced or swayed by what our leaders do or do not do. Before there was a democracy that allowed us to elect those that would be our voice, God had a voice. Theocracy, the true government, the government of the creator and ruler of the universe, existed before men feebly attempted to interpret what God wanted into their constitutions. Why are we losing our minds because our leaders appear to be losing theirs? He quotes Psalms 2. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, saying, Let's come together and break away from the Creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and His Christ. God enthroned merely laughs at them. The Sovereign One mocks their madness. I wanted to start that today because I want to talk about the name. And in John 14, you'll find the story of the name. Shall we turn there? I'm wanting to challenge your threshold today of believing. In John 14, Jesus starts out and he says, Don't worry or surrender to your fear. Did you hear it? Don't worry or surrender to your fear. And then he goes on to give you the 12 steps of getting out of fear. Do you see that there in verse 1a? Do you see it? You don't see it? Okay, I guess that was enough then. Don't worry or surrender. Do you understand that when you conditioned your heart to surrender to fear, which you were taught to do. Most of you, someone taught you that fear was advice, that fear was wisdom. So you surrendered. What did you surrender? Your will, your authority, all that. You. All your belief. I love Chris. He wrote a little snippet this week, and he just just for you to ponder on, he gave us seven symptoms of a transformed mind. Listen to this. You live in hope. Somebody just mentioned that. Any thought in your mind that doesn't inspire hope is rooted in a lie. Listen, I don't know what year you're going to understand this, but you have to extract lies from your life or you cannot walk in the anointing. That messed you up, I know. Some of you in this room right now, because see, God's anointing has to, it can only be smeared and it can only be distributed through a heart that has no other attributes in it. Because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. So when I have a lie, I speak of it in some way. I mean, Tessa gave you a great example of her process. She didn't have that process before. 
That pro- I mean, when I first met her, she had a completely different process, and it was completely broken, and so was she. Now, her awareness of what's actually going on in her is being, is she perfect at it? No. Is she clumsy? Probably. If, if you know her really well, do you hear her speaking of things that are not even about her? Probably. But, you know, the thing of it is, she's learning, like some of y'all are, that my gift and how God speaks through my gift is different than my feelings. So see, if I get transformed in my mind, if I get transformed in my heart, if I remove all the lies, then what changes? My feelings. So he said, seven symptoms of a transformed mind. You live in hope. The impossible seems reasonable. Some of y'all haven't thought of an impossible thought in a long time. An impossible thought is meaning something that doesn't exist yet, but you know it's from God and you've got to believe for it. The impossible isn't, well, I may not get what I want for lunch today. Do you understand the difference? The the impossible isn't, well, my kid's not serving God. That's not even the impossible. That's a promise. (laughs) You live in peace and you don't worry. And all of your speculations are positive. When you look out on life, they're good. It's good out there. For you like yourself. I mean, poo-poo if we're not thinking this right now. Right? If we don't, if we don't like us. Right? We spent way too long. Y'all are all the core people. We spent way too long in here, hearing the truth, right? You like yourself and you rejoice in your weaknesses. Oh, there's where you, I lost, oh, I lost you right there. You know, can I tell you one of the hardest things I think to get some people to do is to let other people just say how you're happening on them. We want to go into defending and well, but you, I had a bad day. I was PMSing. You know, somebody at work said something bad to me. You know, I just was hungry. I was hangry. Right? right? Just let some people tell you how it feels to be in relationship with you. That's your weakness. Yes. You're not going to change it as long as you're good or you hide it. Or you got self-protectors up. Tessa talked about self-protectors a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Knowing that when and where you're weak... He's strong. See, that's really what he's trying to show us. Uh-huh. Yeah. These, are, these are just a quick thing. We're not even talking about these today. Number five, you're quick to forgive and you freely give others grace and mercy. This is, remember, seven symptoms of a transformed mind. You're confident and thankful. There's a difference between arrogance and confidence. Confidence is gratitude. Arrogance is entitled. Number seven, you believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, back to John 14. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. So so basically, this is his statement starting out John 14. He's t- this is, do you understand when Jesus makes a statement, a foundational statement, everything else he says after that is built on whether you believe that or not. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe that you cannot fear? Do you believe it? Do you believe that God intended you to live on earth 
a fear-free life. If you do not believe that, the rest of what I'm going to talk about today is not going to happen for you. I know we wanted all the good, and we don't want to participate in the management of our own souls. You know, I almost did this book right now, Boundaries with Your Own Soul. I almost did it. Chidi and I talked about it, and I was like, yeah, this is my third book. I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. But it just dawned on me this morning, I was like, no, we've done that. Right, baby, over and over. So now what do we do with a transformed soul? We should know now where we're weak. We should know now how we react. We should know now we've talked about our past enough, right? Nobody can think in here I'm not for inner healing. But but there's something to do with our inner healing. And if you're still doing attributes of your old self, you should get a bunch of people around you to tell you. That looks like your old self instead of acting like you're all good. Verse 1b. I've really literally just read one portion of verse 1. For you've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. He goes on to say, my father's house has many dwelling places. Remember when we used to sing this song about that? We were just, do you remember how you were just hoping to get a shack in heaven? Man, we were faith-filled, weren't we? Wow. Man. We were comparing heaven to the just not being under the viaduct with K. I mean, weren't we weren't we powerful? If it were otherwise, I would tell I would tell you plainly because I've gone to prepare a place for you. Now we already know the story why they understood that, right? Because unlike American culture, if you want to, if if you're, well, yeah, we don't do that here. Sorry, just thought of ten other things I could say right there. Verse 4, and you already know the, the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas, Mr. Man of Faith, he says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know how to get there? And Jesus explained, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life, and no one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him, the Father, right? And then Philip, another man of faith in Jesus' midst, said, Lord, show us the Father. (laughs) (laughs) That, (laughs) That we, (laughs) that will be all that we need. That's going to be all they need. He said it right there. There, Philip, all we're going to need, Jesus, right? What do you think Philip and Thomas represent? Why did they stick these two verses in the Bible? The strangest questions ever to me. Jesus says, I'm the way. Jesus says, I'm the way. Jesus says, I'm the way, right? We don't know the way. No, I'm the way. Yes. We don't know how to get there. I'm the way. What was it? What? I think it's. I think it's what we do as human beings. Yeah. I think this is representative. Jesus says, "I'm the way," and we're like, "Well, I don't know how that would work for me," yeah. because I basically like to do things on my own. Yes. 
I don't really want to go through another person. I don't want to abide so much. Remember, he said, chapter 14. I don't want to abide. I can't be in fear. I, my fear's my friend. Fear causes me to pray. Fear's my motivator to pray. I wouldn't think about praying unless I had fear. Just throwing out a few examples. And Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. How do you think Phil's feeling right now, this story? He's basically saying, are you kidding me? Phil, are you kidding me? Like, we've been hanging out. You've been seeing me do all these miracles, right? He's exposing the level in which he surrendered to fear. That's why you have to be willing to ask the stupid questions. I mean, Jesus is basically dissing him right here. How could you even ask me that? He's saying, what a stupid, idiotic thing to say. Are you willing to ask the stupid questions? Are you willing to let Jesus reveal himself brand new to you? See, Jesus is attempting to reveal something in them. He's never changed. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the living expression. He's the word. He's everything. And so he's revealing to them how surrendered they really are to fear. How surrendered. See, because fear makes you self-protect. Fear says that thing that happened to me before, listen, I'm telling you truth right now, whether you believe it or not, that thing that happened to me before, it's going to happen to me again. And it is the extractor of hope. And it causes my mind, it causes my prayers, it causes my action, it causes my giving to be determined by how I know him when he's standing there revealing himself to you the whole time. How could they not know? I love this. He says, don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. It's interesting because if you jump over to Matthew 9, I love this little segue. It's I think I wrote it down in my notes instead of us turning there. It's Matthew 9, 5. Now, in this story, well, let's just go there. Why not? Matthew 9, verse 5. Let's start at 1, okay? Jesus got into the boat, and he returned to what was considered his hometown of Capernaum. Just then... Some people brought a paraplegic man to him, lying on a sleeping mat. When Jesus perceived 
the strong faith within their hearts. Whose hearts? The ones that brought the guy. Didn't mention the guy. When he perceived it, how did he perceive it? Can you perceive it? Can you perceive faith in people? You can only perceive what you have yourself. When Jesus perceived the strong faith within their hearts, he said to the paralyzed man, My son, be encouraged, for your sins have been forgiven. These words prompted some of the religious scholars to think, Why, that's nothing but blasphemy. Verse 4, Jesus supernaturally (laughs) perceived their thoughts. The first one, he could just perceive their faith. But this is supernatural now. Why do you carry such evil in your hearts? What was he perceiving? Their doubt. Their lack of hope, their lack of trust, their lack of belief. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. But now to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive sins. I say to this man, pick up your mat and walk home. And immediately the man sprang to his feet and left for home. I love in the commentary, he says, It is easy for anyone to say your sins are forgiven because that cannot be proven. But if someone were to tell a paralyzed man to stand up and he didn't stand up, that would prove that that person was a fraud. This is key 101 to healing, to walking in a healing anointing. You have to dare to be a fraud. And most of us aren't. Jesus didn't do the easy thing without accomplishing the hard thing. The hard thing was the miracle of healing. Forgiveness and healing both flow from Jesus. The living expression in you. The living expression in you wants you to be prepared to help someone learn about forgiveness. But he also wants to heal. And see, when we have more of a desire for him to flow through us. And so let's go back to John 14, because this is why we get to do that. Verse 11, believe that I live as one with my father, and that my father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Now, interesting, I've taught on this a lot, but I saw something new this week. I wanted to just kind of share it with you. But that word right there in the Passion Translation, it's the same word I've been talking about, belief or faith, that pistos or 
pastuyo word or however you want to say it. My Greek is so good. <laughs> I know you're impressed. But it's the same word. And, and whenever you realize that you have everything in the bucket of Jesus. I got everything in the bucket of Jesus. Not in my own works or my own ability or even on how good you are going to do. But my belief, see, it's, it's turned into something else. I love how the passion says, this is the timeless truth. The person who follows, 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 follows. You don't remember anything else I say today. My belief has to turn into following. See, I have to realize Jesus was just demonstrating mentorship to me. He was just saying, this is what you can do. If you believe, if you follow. That same word, let's look up. I love all the meanings that you can come, that can come from that word. But I wrote a few of them down. It says, to think, to be true, or to be, I call it, 100% persuaded of. Everything in your life, in the supernatural, that you're 100% persuaded of, you will have it. See, if you're 100% persuaded, you can't doubt. Just think across the landscape of your life right now. Just think, is there anything in my life that I am 100% persuaded of? If you have kids that aren't serving God, are you 100% persuaded that they are going to know Him? Or is there even 1% of doubt? If you're married and your husband or wife doesn't serve God, are you 100% persuaded? No doubt. That they're going to walk in their design, in their God destiny. Do you know, are you 100% persuaded you're at the job God positioned you to be at? And you're 100% persuaded that you're going to transform the whole place. That's this kind of following. See, what you have to understand is that I'm not going to follow what I don't believe. So why, that's why he started out with, don't doubt, don't fear, don't surrender to fear. Everything that is not 100% persuaded that God is going to be the God of promises is permeated with leaven. It just got permeated with the leaven of doubt. That's the leaven of the world. That's the leaven of Satan. That's the leaven that steals and kills and destroys what? Your hope, your faith, your persuasion. And if I'm not persuaded, I can't persuade you. You know why you like me? Because I'm 100% persuaded you're going to change. That's why you like me. And I know it. I do not doubt that you're going to change. I do not doubt that the very thing that you struggle with your whole life, that you are not going to struggle with your whole life as long as you know me. I am 100% persuaded of that. There is zero doubt in me. It says, I love this. It says, it's to trust in Jesus as able. 
Are you 100%, 100% no, he's able. I know he's able. He's stronger than your will. He's stronger, stronger than your Adam's soul. That you're 100% believe that God is able to either obtain it, do it, or aid in doing it. He's going to save it. He's going to acknowledge it in some way. He's going to change it. He's going to make it to effect. And remember what I told you, that's called intellectual faith. That's this word. That's this word Jesus is talking about. If, let's read it again. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows, who is 100% convinced in me, in faith, believing in me, that they will do the very same miracles. What miracles did he do? Whatever the person needed that kept them from knowing the love of God, he changed it. It didn't matter if it was up here. It didn't matter if it was down here. It didn't matter if it was in here. Because he supernaturally perceived what they were thinking. That same Jesus lives in you. Do you understand that he wants... If you're not 100%... See, I am 100% convinced that I can supernaturally perceive what you're thinking. It's not to get my needs met. See, that's what we do in relationships. We want to find somebody that I don't ever have to tell them anything, and they supernaturally perceive what I need. And when I need that ice cream, they'll jump up out of the bed and run, get it while I lay prostrate before the Lord. We just throw some sort of religious thing on there. No, no, see, your supernatural gifts are meant for supernatural activity. We keep trying to intermix things in the natural and things in the supernatural we get frustrated because we're using the wrong tools at the wrong time see you first can't doubt you can't surrender to fear and then he begins to paint this picture of all the ways that you're supposed to be because he lives in you because he made you as a human being to be able to do this this is the most powerful message you should believe i'm telling you it's a timeless truth those who follow me in the same faith you know, we went on this little trip, and so we had these two little cars, and, you know, Lenny was behind me driving, and she's following me. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm crying right now. But she's not, she's not really a great follower in the car. But this time she did really good. Usually she'll get bored with me going that way and she'll go on around me like we'll meet at some other path. But see, she didn't know where she's going. So she's right behind me. Like if we are here in town and I'm like, hey, I'll meet you somewhere, she's probably not going to follow me. She's in her little sports car. She's going to go around me, go down Western instead of Penn or something. But see, she didn't know where she was going. So the following process was different. It's hard for us independent souls to follow. We get bored. We get to thinking, oh, it'll be okay. See, you can tell what God wants to do in us by how well we can follow. See, he didn't say, okay, get really good at this where you don't need me anymore. 
You don't need to yield anymore. You can do it on your own. You can go your own way. Do your own thing. Just go ahead. No, he's trying to get us to the more. Can you see it at all? Can you see that it's in your ability to follow his faith? It's in your ability to follow what he's doing. It's in your ability to yield to him, not surrender to fear. And to the degree of which one of those you do better, do you surrender to fear? Do you speak of fear? Do you pray about fear? Or do you follow and yield to him? And see, I can tell you the way he's going to test you in this. He's going to see how well you can follow a leader. I got one wave. He's going to test you how well you obey what the boss asks you to do. He's going to test you to see are you going to gripe about your boss every day, about your coworkers every day. Are you going to point out how good, how bad, everything everybody's doing, how it doesn't make you comfortable, how you're out of your comfort zone, how they're not treating you well. I mean, Gwen took a job where she's just going to hear people gripe. Is that not a setup by God? There ain't nothing more that can change Gwen than hearing people gripe and not being able to chew them out. She's going to have to be like all mercy, all problem solving according to the love shack, not Gwen shack. See, that's what she needed, and he knew it. He set her up. She's in the honeymoon stage right now. I haven't talked to her how it's going, but I bet it's going okay right now. But there's going to be a day. Every day, hearing how the love shack isn't coming through. Every day, how long of that mercy, how long will it last? See, the thing that you have to understand is if we walk in this supernatural understanding of what people are doing and saying, we don't even have to get involved with our own thoughts. See, people are sitting right in front of you that that God gave you the anointing to change. But you got your own thoughts on it. They wear, wear them clothes you don't like. They stink. Don't like how they handle things. Don't ha- like how they treat you or talk to you. Right? Let's keep going. Verse 13. Well, he says, greater miracles than these because I go to my Father. So, so see, there is a form of miracles that got to happen while Jesus was on earth. But because he chose to go to the Father, what did he know? He knew he was sending another power. Now we got two of the Godhead living in us. That's more than what Jesus had. It's my awareness of what I carry. That's why I want you to pay attention to how do people perceive Jesus in you? Do they even perceive him at all? Do you look just like them? When they gripe, do you gripe with them? Verse 13, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. You know, when I read that, I've heard that my whole life, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. But I don't even think until today I really understood what he meant. And I had to look up that word. Let's look, let's look it up in the Greek, shall we? I'm looking it up for you. It's a word spelled E-R-G-O-N, ergon. This is what it says. It's the business, sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. That's works. We don't want to read that one. It's O-N-O-M-A, onomo, onoma, 
something like, oh, no, ma. Let's go with that. <laughs> That's name. The other one's works. That's name. It says, for one's rank, authority, interests, pleasures, command, excellences, or deeds. So he said, if you ask it in my name, remember he's talking this whole time about how he perceive who he is. Are you with me? Yeah. Jesus is talking to his disciples the whole time about how do the disciples perceive Jesus? Yeah. Did you get that with the questions? Yeah. They perceived him as we don't know the way. They perceived him about we don't even know the Father. And he was like, it's impossible for you not to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It says, it's the name used for everything which the name covers. So I will do whatever you ask when you ask it in my name. See, it's not about, sorry, it's not about, one second. It's not about being able to say in Jesus' name. Everything in the Bible is about how much you believe what you believe. How much you follow after what you believe. Not about using and sticking a name on it, but it's about how much I'm underneath the knowledge of what the name carries. So it's the name used for everything which the name covers. Everything, the thought or feeling of it, which is aroused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, remembering the name. So what comes up in your mind when you hear Jesus? You know, when I was seven years old, I went to youth camp. It's probably the only time I went because I hated it. But at youth camp that year, they were playing softball. And I was behind the home plate. I forgot what it's called. Home plate. Play something for 20 years and you can't remember things. And a guy from out in you know, right field or left field or wherever he was, threw a ball home and the catcher missed it and hit me right in the stomach. And I remember the only thing that I could say was Jesus. How did I know to say Jesus? I could have said doctor. I could have said go to the emergency room. See, I was taught that the thing I needed was the name. Because, see, it's the name used for everything in which it covers. What does it cover? Everything. So when I know who he is, and I know if I'm speaking the name of Jesus, it carries with it an authority, then whatever I ask... Under that understanding of that name, of that authority, how well do you know the authority that Jesus was given that lives in you? It's the operation of the knowledge and awareness that I'm conducting kingdom business with this name. That's your ministry. See, there's kingdom business waiting for someone to walk upon the territory of where it doesn't exist now and begin to speak it into existence so the kingdom can have its way. And see, that's the authority of Jesus. And you can ask whatever 
you want to ask when you ask in his name. Because see, I wouldn't be asking something outside his yes. See, I wouldn't be praying out of a place of fear because it's outside his yes. And so if I'm learning to operate in this kingdom activity, I have to operate with the authority given to the name. So I don't just throw it around. What is, what is a way, I'm just thinking, but what is a way that you can raise the rank and authority and desires and permissions of Jesus to you? Do you understand that if Jesus sent you here as an ambassador of love, it's not a word, it's your title. Then I better love like he would love. I better hate what he would hate. See, the thing that we do in, a, in society is we don't confront. You know, Mendel's working right now. God is really stirring in her to confront what he hates. It's not really a comfortable thing for her. She didn't wake up one day and say, man, I hope. Man, I know what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping he's going to begin to show me all the stuff to be intolerant about. Now, see, I don't need to work on that. That's easy for me. Calerics, come on. Let's all shake hands. Y'all don't need to work on that. Y'all are not good at it. Right? See, he wants you to work on something that you're not actually good at, that you're not actually comfortable with. See, he wants to send you to a place, and he wants to position you to say things that your gift set, that your personality, that your anointing would have success at. Just because I can call up a restaurant and gripe because I didn't get my food right, I, that's not, I'm not, I don't need an anointing for that. I'm picky. I'm a picky rear. I like things the way I like them. Anybody else like that in here? <laughs> Look, no way are you raising. I can point you out right now if you need me to. <laughs> See, that's not, we're not flowing under any authority or anointing right there. See, it's time that we have to understand he's trying to develop his heart in us. Yeah. I already know my own desires, my own ways. I already know what I'd like to do. It took me 13 years to die to all that. Some of y'all hadn't started that process yet. You've got to die to your own desire, your own way, the way it would make you feel comfortable. See, the yielding to the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be comfortable again. You didn't get that. If you're going to truly yield to the Holy Spirit, you are never going to be comfortable ever again because He doesn't care about your comfort. He cares about what He's anointed. And he needs to send you someplace that he says you're anointed. And he's decided you have enough authority. And he's decided you get who he is enough. That's the place you'll transform. We just want to wait. Oh, well, I don't feel led to do that. I already sort of jumped on my bandwagon here about the works. But 
That works word, I have to read what that means. Remember he said the greater works will you do. Well, here's what this is. The business employment that which one is occupied in doing. Messes with all you people that don't like to work. Your place of work is where God is trying to show you your destiny. That's your place of ministry. He's going to judge you. This is the good judgment. He's going to judge you by how well you engage in the process of making that business a success. That's what he'll reward you on. I know some of y'all don't believe me. If you would ever believe me, you could transform some places. You know, the Desrim team gets this really well. I tell them all the time, listen, you're not here to get a paycheck. We are here to transform. And you can go work anywhere else and make more money. You're not here to make money. <laughs> but we're here to transform society through our ministry while you're painting, while you're fixing that tile. Give me a year of your life and you will transform your entire life. You can ask, you can ask Shudi and Sidwell. It's transformed them. They don't even think about work or jobs or money or any of that the same. See, what we've done is we've taken the, th we've taken the things that God has planted us in and we've made them the obstacle. Yes. 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 Gosh, if I didn't have to get up and go to work every day. So then you're just going to barely slip in there when time, when, you know, 8.30 comes, you're going to be there at 8.29, and you're going to feel like, man, I'm early. No, you're already late to me. Yeah, if you're going to do my business, you're already late. Yeah. See, it just depends on what level you want to be. Oh, no, i got to have my two days off. I don't have a day off. I don't have any days off. Don't be, don't be painting a picture that this is you doing your service, your ministry to God, because it's not. You are not yielded. I'm just telling you the truth. God has planted you and positioned you to transform, transform territory, and you, no one else can do it but you there. That's why he got you that job. God got you that job. It wasn't you. You had zero to do with it. It was your time. And like I said, if you want to get promoted out of that thing, you want to go be the boss somewhere, well, better do that well then because he'll never open the door to anything else because, see, you have to wield the name and you have to understand these greater works have to do with where you're employed. I mean, listen, it has to be true. Nobody around here needs prayer hardly. We're all good. We made it through COVID when no one died in here, right? I mean, some people died out and they didn't come back, but we know one died, right? 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 right. But see, listen, it's a test for us. Yeah. That's already a promise. Are we just going to spend time prophesying and praying for everybody in here? I haven't made no bones about it. This is training for you to go out. We weren't raised to do that. So guess where the out is? It's not even at your little home. Especially if you live in a ministry house, Lord Jesus, y'all should be good. Right? But it's out there. Where? Where the darkness is. I mean, is your light just this big? Well, it's still light. And see, when you transform where you're at, it transforms you. When you're waiting for everybody around you to change. You know, when I woke up this morning, he made this one statement to me. Let me see if I can find it. 
I think I even made it in a color. No, I didn't. Hold on. Next level maturity. That was the statement he said to me. He said this, can you be okay even if everything around you isn't? Next level maturity. Can you be okay? What is okay? Operating in your design. Operating in your destiny. When everything around you isn't okay. You know, I, have, I practice with the worship team a lot. I'm like, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how everything went before you got up here. We were just in the green room practicing this morning. My two feelers over here, neither one of them felt good. I said, it don't matter how you feel. Can we transform into worship? Well, I don't know. How do you think they did? Yay! See, they, that was, they had to overcome what? What I just said a while ago. Their feelings to what? The knower. Now, my knower is really strong. You can ask them. I always make the same statement to them. You're not going to feel the same way right now that you feel after the service. And they can say 100% that that's true. Because what? My knower knows the Holy Spirit's here. And my knower knows that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in somebody somewhere through something. Right? He might offend you. Sorry. I'm sorry if my word, these are the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. It's in you. I'm, I can look around the room. I can see a couple of people I've already offended today. Do you think I care? I don't, I don't care because it's not my words. It's in you. He's trying to transform you. He's trying to challenge you. My words should be challenging. They should be saying, I'm not doing enough. I need to go out there and do more. I need to look at more. I need to exalt his name more. If I make Jesus big, he says, if you make me big, I will draw every man to me. If you make the name of Jesus big, he will draw all people to you to see him. They ain't coming to see you, baby. You are just a shell. You are just the temple of the living God that he made, appointed and anointed for this time, this generation. But they don't even know it. But it's the Jesus in you they're attracted to. So don't be looking ugly with Jesus. Don't be lazy. Don't be mad. Don't be argumentative. Don't be defensive. Don't be jealous. Don't be, do I have to list them all? Be Jesus. Be Jesus. The world is dying to see him lifted up. And how did he pick the way for himself to be lifted up through men? That's what he's doing right now on the earth. I want to end with this. I want to end with this. Yay. We're crossing over this threshold, right, of believing. This is what Tessa said the other day. These are the three things that you already are. You're already chosen. Isn't that coolest gig ever? God stuck you in a family that didn't like you. (laughs) Didn't nurture you. Wanted to change you. Didn't want to provide for you. Wasn't really that good to you. They were so consumed with what they had going on. Some of y'all were raised in drug families. Some of y'all were raised on a school bus. Some of y'all were raised in with hateful people. They weren't looking at you going, oh, I see the Jesus on you, man. 
You are anointed, appointed by Jesus himself. Go out and conquer the world. Do you remember those words? No. Right? So he chose you. Who chose you? It doesn't matter who else didn't. Why do we care who else didn't? The God of all creation chose you for such a time as this. Make everyone else so tiny. They get so far back in the rearview mirror while they're still back there doing that stuff. If you go back to see them, isn't it weird how you almost like become like you used to be again? It's just weird. See, until you get strong enough that that's not going to happen. You're grafted in. That sounds like abiding to me. You know, I don't know if you know this, but when a when when something's grafted in, it can't wake up tomorrow and want to get ungrafted. Right. It's usually taped on there. You can't. You know how that feels. Have you have you have you got that feeling yet? See, if you have the feeling that you're just stuck in here and you can't go anywhere else, you haven't yielded yet. The tape is the only thing keeping you. Once you've been really engrafted, you can remove the tape and you can't tell where one starts and one ends. You have been, you have been absorbed into the vine. You're growing from the source and root of the vine then, not you. You said all this, right, Tess? We're given... You said, given... All that we have need of. See, I don't even understand. It's interesting when you're trying to pioneer something, you're trying to get people to buy into it in a way. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, I'll give a little $5 here. I'm just messing with you a little bit. We've been, we're good to people, but I have $5 here. Well, I'm wanting to buy a billion. I mean, a, mil- a, a building. <laughs> Sorry. It was something like that. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Because why? You know, I went to this um, art studio while we were in Breckenridge. And I got activated in there, of course. So I was taking pictures of all the things we're going to do and more. And then Mendel had a dream last night. And in her dream, the person that's in her dream is usually me. This, But it's not me in her dream. But in the dream, she'll have to tell it to you, but... It was like she. there were all of these rooms in this house that had been created just for art. And I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, I'd, everything everything she dreamed, I thought while I was in that art studio in Breckenridge, and I didn't even tell her. She started naming all these things that were going to happen but about art and all these things. And I was like, I thought that, I thought that, I thought that. See, that's Jesus. Yes. That's grafted in. Yes. What I think goes comes out in her dream. <laughs> What do you think that does for me? I mean, for her, she's like, I don't even know why I dream this. And I, I'm like, because it activates my faith to believe. And whatever. And whatever. And whatever. I ask in his name, it shall be done. Isn't that fun? Such a fun life. The best life ever. Well, I just thought I would wrap up today by highlighting, you know, all the different ways that this is on the Holy Spirit's mind 
or just to remind you of a couple of additional ways in addition to what she already shared. But it's so cool. The Holy Spirit's really been on this thing lately where he's been showing us, he's coming at things three-dimensionally. You know, he's showing us something from the left side. Then he's showing us from the right side and the front and the back, up the bottom, all of that. It's really three-dimensionally speaking about some of the same things through different people from different angles. And he's re-emphasizing it in a whole new way. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that this, this concept, this concept of what we ask for in Jesus's name, first, one cool thing was I read that verse the other day and I, it jumped out at me. There's something about that that we've never seen before. I was like, there's something, it's not just about saying the name of Jesus at the end of our prayers. There's something more about that. I also didn't say that out loud. And then I wake up this morning and Tisa's like, I've got this revelation about what's, I mean, literally the exact same question I had, she just preached the answer to, to me today. Literally. Um, but in addition to that, so all that his name means, do you remember not long ago we talked, she preached a message on um, delegated authority, basically. Uh, I can't remember what we called that message exactly, but if you... That was still on. There we go. So if you don't know the authority of the person who says you have authority, then you won't know what authority they gave you. If they said you've got the authority to spend $5, you think you've got $5 to spend. If you don't know that they actually have a million dollars, you won't know that they've said you've, you have the authority to spend a million dollars. If you don't know them, if you don't know them, if you don't know the true meaning of his name, if you don't know the true authority he operates in, what his name actually covers, all that she shared today, can you see that he's re-emphasizing this message? He's re-emphasizing how important it is to know who we are, whose we are, and the authority and the power that we walk in, all that he has called us to do and said we're able to do, all that he's made possible for us to do. The other thing that came to my mind was, do you remember... Um, I think it was last Sunday when I shared that in a dream I'd had, I'd written a word in a, in a dream. I think Tessa touched on this too, but, um, in the, the line in my dream was failing to protect by not inheriting a last name and that we've still been unraveling what all that means, but by not inheriting a last name. So take what she said today about the name of Jesus and Think about that message. He was telling us then there's something you're going to need to inherit in a last name. And then today we heard about what his name actually means. So we've, we need to inherit this. He's, he's emphasizing what's in a name. He, he's been emphasizing it for weeks now. And inheriting, if you remember, I, I shared that you can inherit something and not receive it. It's been given. It's what Tessa preached on last Wednesday. Again, what we've already inherited in a last name. She just highlighted it again, being chosen, being grafted in. We've been given everything we need, everything we need. We've already inherited that. Have you received it? That's what she just, she talked about. 
So the Holy Spirit is really on this. He's really on the importance of this message. And, you know, just to, to give a practical example, um, like Tisa said, that I'm encountering these things and I'm sensing them in my spirit. So when we were at the airport leaving yesterday, um, I just scanned the room. We'd been there for a while already at the airport, you know, been in this little section. I scanned the room and I saw this girl's T-shirt and I, my eyes just kind of went down the T-shirt trying to comprehend what I was seeing. And I can't explain to you, but I literally have no words to tell you what I saw, what it represented, what, but I felt this thing just rush at me. I mean, just rush at me. Like it was like somebody just flipped all the lights off and it was intimidating and it was dark and it was ugly. And I don't, I can't tell you in the natural what it was, but it was my spirit sensed there was something demonic with that person on her. And I mean, it, I was, you know, I was tired and I was kind of hot, but I was, otherwise I was really peaceful, you know, but 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 when that thing hit me, all of a sudden I was intimidated and my my hope level went down and I was just like, oh, I mean, you might as well have just punched me in the stomach because it, it made me do this like in my emotions and my spirit. And so all of a sudden I remembered, well, I hadn't released the anointing of Jesus in that airport yet, which I've been you know trying to remember to do. And so I was like, oh, right. Okay. So I took authority over that thing. I took authority over every stronghold, uh, every demonic stronghold in that area. And I sent the host of heaven to tear it down and shred it and just demolish it. And I said I was intolerant of it. And I released the anointing of Jesus. And that feeling just disappeared like that. It was gone. And so, and I, I felt it. I experienced it. And that's an experience I will be able to remember from now on because I experienced what was in his name. I experienced what his name meant. Things that have intimidated me in the past, I experienced his name clearing it out just like that, just like that. And then I could think about the love of Jesus for her. And it was interesting because she was sort of across the way, but I hadn't thought about this till just, just now. But right after I did that, she walked across that whole area and she came and sat down right in front of us. And Shooty even accidentally dropped her jacket, I think, on her feet. She, I don't even know if Shooty knew what was going on, but I was like, something's happening right there. And then we, I'm like, she just needed some touches, you know, some dropping of this anointing on her. And then we boarded the plane, which there are no assigned seats on Southwest Airlines. You just board the plane and first come, first serve. So she boarded the plane way after we did. And I was watching her come down the aisle. She sat right across from Shooty and Sidwo and Muha. And so for that entire plane ride, she was in what they carried. She was in the presence of what they carried. And so then I was just like, okay, right. Jesus totally triumphed in that moment. The name of Jesus was victorious. And then what his name covers and what his name meant was for a love encounter for her, for something to, for her to encounter and so that was an experience for me of knowing what was in his name, of knowing how that operates, what that feels like, how to be me in this world and operate in that with his name. And then you had even this, the, what we started off with today, that this 
impression that he made on me just by encountering him in nature by this majestic mountains and all the beautiful scenery and his the sky and all of that he wanted me to feel to know that there was nothing but freedom between me and him he wanted me to know that side of what was in his name too that his name laid everything down everything down in every sense of the word to come and make a home for us so that we could tangibly experience him so that we could be walking on the earth that we walk on whether we know it or not and we're we're walking on him we're touching him we're tangibly experiencing he's laid out this life for us he's laid out this earth for us to walk on and that there's nothing between us and him so that's also what's in his name so he is calling us up into this next level maturity of really seeing the fullness of who he is and what he's enabled us to do and be with him. So if we know him, that's like she said, we will cover the earth with the way we know him, with the knowledge of what we know about him. And so I just want to say thank you, Papa. Thank you that you are just revealing yourself over and over and over again in so many ways you're revealing yourself and you're showing us all these different sides of us, like a three-dimensional, multi-dimensional picture of who you are so that we can know who we're in relationship with, so that we can know who we're in covenant with. When we raise our hands, we can know who we're in covenant with. Who said, who said, everything that's mine is yours? Everything that's mine is yours. You made a covenant with us to say, everything that's mine is yours. And so thank you for unveiling our eyes, for opening our eyes to what you've truly given us, what you've truly filled us with, for who you truly are, so that we can walk in this next level maturity. I had a dream while we were on the trip that we were singing in worship the song, What a Wonderful World. And I've been pondering that, and I, he wants us to know and live this life that we say, what a wonderful world when we look out. What a wonderful world. Not like, oh, this wretched world, get me out of here. But, but we can live our lives in such a way, by knowing him in such a way, that we can say, what a wonderful world. What a wonderful world he made. What a wonderful world he's transforming it into. What a wonderful life he's invited us to live. So we say, thank you, Jesus, and we give you our amen. We say, that's right. What a wonderful world you've made. Thank you for the privilege of participating with you and all that you are doing to transform it. We just love you so much, and we lift your name high today. We exalt you. We give you all the praise and love and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay